And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Uh, from the deserts to the seas to the mountains to all the podcast world, it is weighing in. We are coming to you again live after a big time UFC heavyweight championship fight. You can catch us on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Play, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of other podcasting platforms. Carry us because we are fantastic. And if you want to be part of the Weighing In team, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com and get a t-shirt. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com, put in Weighing In, look at the picture, hit the picture. There will be a series of t-shirts to come up, some very cool ones, our new design. And you can also take a look and choose the color of whichever whichever one you want. Because if you look, Josh is in the blue corner. I'm in the red corner. If you're smart, you get a red T-shirt. That means you're the A side. Calm down. Calm okay, down. you're the A side. I just want to make that clear. And if you want to go to the, the blue side, you can go to the blue side and get one of those T-shirts too. But if you use the promo code underdog, you will get 20% off on that T-shirt. My man, Josh Thompson, what's up? If you guys buy a red t-shirt, that will help fund John's old folks home when he goes there. So you guys go right ahead. I'm encouraging you guys to buy a red t-shirt just because I know John will need to be in that home here shortly. Okay, so good thing we can still fill from the home. That's great. I love it. Um, My heart's broken, man. My heart's broken. I'm broken. I'm broken. So sad. Um... He just didn't pull the trigger. Let's get is right this, into is this, DC it, and Stipe. Let's just get right into it. I just like, want to know: is this? The, if you want to stop talking, we'll just we'll just turn. This is it. We're done. Thank you very yeah, much, guys. My See you later. Broken man. I'm serious. Like Josh can't talk. He's still crying. Yeah, yeah. I, I was upset. I was upset last night. I'm upset. Like I woke up this morning, not feeling well. Just I think it's probably a hangover from just not feeling well from last night. I'm just I'm upset, man. Yeah. He just didn't pull the trigger. There was moments, I think, in the in the fight where he had stumbled Stipe a little bit. Like he hit him with some good shots, some clean shots, and he just didn't push after it. I honestly I don't know. I can't I can't even say what happened because I can think in terms of it's your last fight. You don't want to do anything that may cost you the fight, but then, you know, and to go out on like a knockout or anything like that. But you also you want to get the win, but you don't want to I don't know, man. I mean, I'm I'm over here trying to make excuses for him, but I can't. I have no idea. I have no idea. He he didn't, he didn't pull the trigger. Okay, first off, you don't have to make excuses for him. Yeah, I know. He doesn't need any excuses. He fought as hard as he could fight last night. He gave it everything that he had, and I thought he put on a very a really good performance. Because I'm being honest, when you take a look at guys in rematches and when you have a, a rematch with an older fight that the older fighter lost either the first fight or the, the last fight that they had when the older fighter loses and then gets the rematch invariably it is usually worse yeah for that fighter in that rematch they usually lose bigger and he didn't do that he made up some ground and he took care of a lot of, you could see in the fight how DC was working, actually thinking, and I think this was part of the problem, 
he was thinking about not doing things that were natural habits for yeah. him. And when you're thinking in there in that fashion, that's usually going to slow you, slow you down in, in being offensive and doing things because you're thinking about, I can't do this because he's got habits. We talked about those habits and he, you could see him shutting those habits down every now and then it would present itself. And then he would pull it back and shut it down. He did a very good job of protecting his body. He got hit with some body shots, but his hands stayed tight. He wasn't reaching out all the time. He did it, you know, a little bit, but I really look and say, man, he, he, he put on a great performance yeah. against a guy that's a stud. You got to admit, Stipe is a stud, man. He has got a chin. He can take shots. He can wrestle. He's athletic. You know, it's not like Daniel lost to a guy that he shouldn't lose to. It is yeah. an even fight going in, and there's a 50% chance in that fight that you can win, and there's a 50% chance that you can lose. And on, you know, this night, he came out on the short end of it, but he has nothing to feel bad about. He should be proud of his performance. He got poked in the eye with that one. That did, I think it, that did limit him in some ways because, you know, yes, he can see out of his, his right eye, but his left eye was damaged and he's saying he couldn't see out of it at all. I believe him. You know, it's unfortunate that it happened. It was one eye poke a piece, you know, and that's, that can happen, but he has nothing to feel bad about. Uh, he's had an incredible career. I do hope that he walks away Me too. and continues on as an ambassador to the sport, continues on as a commentator. He has done remarkable things with this part of his life in the MMA world, and he should be very proud of everything he's done. Yeah, people don't realize that he hasn't he hasn't been doing this that long. You know, and when he no, came into Strike Force, yeah, he's wrestling, but I'm sure he has a wrestling pedigree. But the thing is, when he came into Strike Force, like they threw him basically right away into that tournament where he ended up fighting, you know, Josh Barnett, Bigfoot Silva. Like he fought guys that were heavyweights that were considered some of the best in the world at the time. It just, you know, to, he he's done so much in such a short period of time. And I tip my hat to him. I congratulate him. I do agree with you, though. I hope that he is done. I hope that this is it. And um, it just There's too many other things for him to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he's set. He doesn't need, you know, to sit oh, there and say, no could he use the money? Sure. Everyone, I guess, could use more money, you know, but does is it necessary for him to have a good life? No. It's not. He's making, and he's gonna. He's making no, pretty good and, money as a commentator, and he's gonna way. make very good money commentating. That is a career unto yeah. itself that he can do very well at. There's no reason to get punched in the face anymore. There comes that point where it's just not worth it. You have other things you can do. You have done everything in the fight world that anyone could ask. You've been an incredible champion. He's won multiple titles in different, you know, promotions and everything. So. Amazing career. Yeah. Congratulations, DC. Love you. Time to fucking just start talking about fighters. Yeah, I think I think um I don't know if it was the pressure of the of the fight with Stipe. I don't know if what happened I mean, throughout the fight. He just to me, he didn't look like he was willing to pull the trigger. He threw some shots. I think he was I I don't know if there was the mind of on his mind was that this is my last fight. I don't know. But Stipe, yeah. I don't know. I'm I, all that, all that aside, Stipe fought a great fight. He fought a good fight. He fought a smart fight. He did what he needed to do. He didn't go to he didn't go to the body too much, like to the well too much. He he touched him every once in a while to let him remind to remind him that it's there. 
he did a great job. He did. And then the one thing that DC like did, DC didn't lean to that side. Like we were talking about, he tried to avoid leaning always to the right, he did. which is he. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh, I think I, cause I had a feeling that steep a was like, from the first fight, even from the first and the second fight, that he was going to start go, trying to go to the, the knee on that side. In the first round, you saw that DC wasn't leaning that way. So Stipe kind of went away from leaning, like from throwing the knee to that side. So I, I thought Stipe made adjustments throughout the fight that benefited him. I didn't have it 2-2 going into the fifth. Did you? No. No, I didn't either. I had, I want to say, I had him winning one round. I think it was 3-1 going into the fifth. I had I had DC winning the fourth round. Yeah, I think that it might have been that. I thought he, I thought he, the the first round was close, and and DC had that one really good shot right near the end of the round, and you saw Stipe, but Stipe didn't go down from it, but it was it damaged him. But there was too many shots that Stipe had landed before that that were heavy shots that it couldn't make up to give DC the round. But it was close. The second round was obvious. You know, DC got clipped. He got hurt. Yeah. You know, he was mounted against the fence in that. So that that round goes to him. Third round was Stipe. But fourth round, Daniel was, he was doing good things. And, you know, it was just like you said, not, you know, this was in no way a run over. All these rounds, except for the second round. Yeah. All the rounds were fairly close. And I had the second round going to DC until he got dropped. Oh, DC I, was winning the round. Yeah, you know, I had him we those, were texting yeah. and I go, dude, he just, you know, he was winning that round. Yeah. You know, he just lost it. Yeah. But and that, that can happen. That's part of fighting. You know, he, again, he's got nothing to feel bad about. Nothing. No. I mean, I know it hurts. I know, man. Cause you know, look at, you're the guy walking in that cage. You're the guy that all the eyes are on. You're the guy that now has to explain, you know, what happened, you know, and you got, there's nothing to feel bad about. You know, it's like the old Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic that counts. You know, it's the guy who actually steps in that ring. The guy who's got the blood and sweat and dust on his face. That's the guy. That's DC. You know, he's that guy. He, he, he will always be in that rarefied air of a guy who did it. A guy who walked the walk. He's not that timid soul that was only able to talk about it and make critiques or criticize yeah he's got nothing nothing to feel bad about in his entire mma career i mean he's been fantastic good spokesperson for the sport he's a good um great analyst good spokesperson for the sport he's you we talked to Corey anderson Corey said how much he opened his eyes dc opened his eyes to like how the business works also and that's being a mentor and that's really just like what for. you're saying that's what dc is supposed to do yeah because he's that guy, man. He's he's done it, and he's the leader out there. And he guys like Corey need to hear those things from DC. Now, DC, when he gets on, you know, a media thing or is talking, you know, he's gonna kind of go the company route, of course. As far as you know, trying to you know you know pump up the UFC. That's that's his employer. That's his job. He should. But when he's talking with the fighters themselves, guys that are helping him train and stuff. He's giving them the truth and he's telling them the right things about, hey, I know you'd like to have that title and you're good enough, but I'm telling you, you're fighting for the wrong thing if that's what your aim is at. You know, this is a business and you have to be a business and God bless DC for doing that for those guys because he opens their eyes and he makes them realize what is the important part 
of what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I think it's a it's a lot for him. I think to take in last fight, just he's confirmed that he's pretty much is. Yeah, he's pretty much done. And I I hope he is. I hope he is done. I saw a little bit of, I think what, being an older fighter myself, I I saw a little bit of what I didn't want to see out of someone. Like in the first and the second fight, he didn't seem older. This fight, I don't know if because there was no crowd, whatever it is, he just. He seemed a little bit a little bit slower, a little step behind, and just things weren't getting there as easy as they were, I think, in the first two fights. You know, and um it's time. It's just time. It really just comes down to that. Um, I, he had a great career. Um, I'm glad I was part of every little bit of it. And I'm I mean, I'm happy for him, man. The guy makes he makes a killing to be a commentator. I'm not even gonna get into that, but yeah, he, he he's got a good life. He's got a good life. And he's a yep. he's a hustler and and uh, he'll continue to be successful in whatever it is he does. Like his whole life, he's been successful. He'll continue to be the same guy. Um, it's like I, it's like I tell every fighter, hey, if losing a fight is the worst thing that happens in your life, yeah. you got a fucking phenomenal life. Don't exactly. worry about it. Exactly. Yep. Because I tell everybody, like, hey, when I, when I when I've lost fights, I'm like, in ten years, no one's gonna give a shit. What does it matter? <laughs> you know, That's it's it. like, I'm still, I still, I'm still around my family. I still have. Um, some good things to to do and say. Um, what do you think of the Sean O'Malley fight? You know, interesting. You know, I that was the one fight on the on the card that I actually uh, was wrong on. I thought O'Malley was gonna just outpoint Cheeto Vera. I like I like Cheeto Vera. I think he's a really good fighter. But I thought it was gonna go the three rounds. But you know that that injury is self inflicted, and I know people don't realize what that injury is. painful and horrible injury to have it's going to be very hard for sean o'malley to work his way through it he might end up having to have surgery on that that liz frank joint is where all of your bones from your foot attach just before it goes to your ankle and if you break that liz frank joint it's bad it's first off i have a friend up the street who just broke his water skiing because the binding didn't let go of his foot and it bent his foot backwards and it broke that. You should see his foot. It looks like uh, Wolverine or, or Freddy Krueger because they three scars, one in the top, one in the side, one in the side to fix that. And all kinds of plates, all kinds of screws. And he's going to have some problems with that. And the fact that he was trying to walk on it and fight on it when it was injured and you could see when he did it, you know, self-inflicted injury, that's part of the game. You know, you, just happens. Uh, I heard a lot of people talking about early stoppage. Are you kidding me? Herb is smart enough to realize I've got a guy who has hurt himself, is not moving well, is is jeopardized in the fight as far as his ability to have the ability to move his way out of trouble. He gets gets on the ground, and so Herb is waiting to see, is he going to be able to actually pull this fight into a ground fight? And Cheeto Vera is lighting him up And he stops the fight based upon you're not competitive in this fight anymore. You're hurt. I'm going to get you out of it. It was the right thing for Sean O'Malley. It was the good call by Herb. And it was the right thing for Cheeto Vera. I thought it was a good win. I thought it was early stoppage. I think it was ridiculous. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Not at all. Um, I asked you about it because, like, he didn't look like he was extremely hurt outside of his foot, but he didn't look like he got rocked or hurt. But I guess you got to take it into consideration. Like the ref sees the fact that he really cannot fight like he would normally fight. 
So that's why the stoppage probably had happened. So I, I don't know. Um, you're talking, you're talking as the referee, you're talking about looking at the big picture. Yeah. You don't just look at the micro, you look at the macro and you're looking at the big picture and what information has been given to you in this fight. And what Herb is looking at is, man, I saw a guy that could not move. He's having problems on his feet. Then he finally ends up going down, not based upon being hurt, but based upon hurt from that foot injury. He can't really hold himself up. Let's see what he can do on the ground. Uh, you're not even... The, the injury itself is overcoming your ability to fight. Your, yeah. your brain's not working right. And when he starts to just put his hands over his face, Herb stops. It's the right call. Yeah. What does that do for his hype train? Oh, it definitely derails it for a while, but in a way, it doesn't hurt it that much based upon it wasn't just, and this is, I feel bad for Cheeto Vera as far as he deserves all the credit. He went out there, he did exactly what he's supposed to do. He got rid of his opponent, but some of that win is going to be taken away based upon the self-inflicted injury of the foot. You know, no different than when like, you know, Brent Primus beat Mike Chandler, mm -hmm. you know, with that, uh, nerve in injury as far as the floppy foot people didn't give brent premise credit he created it yeah he created that injury but it was the fight was stopped based upon a guy not being able to control his body and hold himself up and things like that so some of the the the, the shine of the win will be taken away from cheeto it shouldn't he went out there he prepared for sean o'malley he said he was going to beat him and he went out there and did exactly what he said and so I think it's a good thing for both guys as far as Cheeto gets the win and O'Malley doesn't lose a lot of the shine. He loses that, you know, undefeated record. But in the end, people are going to go back to that injury that created that loss. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Cheeto was looking good up until the moment also when he when uh, Sean got hurt. But up until I guess for me it was Sean. Sean's 5'11", 135 pounds. That's crazy. Like you're gonna say, I would imagine bird bones, like, hollow. You remember uh, what's his name? Corey Hill. Same thing. What was he like? Yeah. Six two, six, six four. Yeah, six four. Six, four. Fought at one forty five. One fifty five. One fifty five. One fifty five. Okay. I'm like, man, that's not healthy. Like that's not Oof. when you're that tall, that long, and lanky. Eat like, some Doritos. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and don't don't pass <laughs> on the Big Mac, buddy. Just go get it. Yeah. Go get it. Um. Yeah, I thought I thought uh I, yeah, I don't think I don't think Sean loses any leeway. I don't think he loses anything really. I mean I don't think I don't think so either. But injuries like that will have an effect on his career moving forward. And the reason why I say that is because I have a plate in my ankle. And it's one of those things where I if you try to hit me with the ankle lock, I'm tapping right away. If if I, if I kick and I hit you, my plate hits your elbow, it almost drops me because it hurts so bad. So little things like that make a big difference. If now he's that's one of his best weapons, is his kicks, his push kicks, his you know his kicks, using that length and the range. And now that's gone because every time he kicks with it or potentially gets checked or whatever it is, it's gonna hurt him more, especially if he has screws and plates in. Oh you yeah, know, maybe the like if he doesn't do screws and plates, then he'll have a little bit better uh, success with healing and be able to throw it. But everybody that I've ever talked to that's had a plate put in, they're like, I had to take it out because every time I got banged on it or kicked on it or whatever it was, it's a pain. It, it hurts. It's almost to the point where it drops you. It hurts so bad. Well, and most people don't really you know when most people get injuries and then have a 
a plate or screws, they're also not fighting where things are being slammed yeah. into that injury. And this is part of his career. And so you're exactly right. If he can keep from having those screws and things put in to heal that, that is definitely the option he wants. The question is, can he get that done? I don't know. Yeah. Tough one. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I would say probably like what? Six, seven months. He'll be out. Yep. Yeah, he'll be out for six, seven months. Oh, he's at least. He I might be out for another year now. <sighs> that injury is that bad. I mean, people don't realize that injury, that stupid joint right there. You know, if you're a podiatrist, podiatrist, oh, that, that's an important part of your foot, and he's he's going to have some problems in in not only recovering, but then getting it back to where he can fight with it. That sucks. Um. So, Junior, I thought he looked good up until the point first round he, he did. got clipped. I thought he looked yeah. good up until the point where he got clipped. But, but I, it, okay, but did it, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. As you were watching it, and, you know, he, I thought Junior won the first round. He was doing well. He was, he was touching uh, Rosino, but just, Rosenstruck just looked like it's just a matter of time. Yeah, because everything that Junior was hitting him with, it seemed like yeah, you know, didn't really have any problems. He got hit a couple times, good, and yeah. just kind of walked through it. And every time that Rosenstruck hit Junior, you kind of looked like, oh, oh, this could be it. This could be it. This could be yeah. it. This could be it. And then finally, it was. And so, you know, Junior's a he. He was a great fighter, but I still go back to those two Cain Velasquez fights. Obviously not the first one, but the second and third one, that trilogy, those two that he lost, they just altered him as a fighter. Yeah. Just not the same guy. And it's not his fault. It's, you know, it was his toughness that allowed him to, you know, sustain himself in those fights, but just not the same guy. And what is it you want in fighting? Because he was talking about, you know, hey, I'm go- I'm going to go and get that belt again. That's I'm going to be the heavyweight champion. He's not going to beat Stipe. No. Just not going to do it. You know, his chin is not just not good enough. And so who's he going to beat to get that belt? Why are you fighting? Are you fighting for money? Okay, if that's that's your way of, you know, paying for your food and paying for your house, and that's and you have to do it. Yeah. But you know, he's had, what, three fights in a row now he's lost? Yeah, he's lost to uh, Francis, Curtis Blades, and then now Rosenstrike. It's, and it ain't going to get any better. No. It's just not, you know. Feel bad for him because he's, he's a great always guy. in that conversation. Like he he loses a couple fights, but then he comes back and he wins a couple, and then he loses. It's he's going to be in that conversation. But I I really feel the same way you do. Is that the fights with Kane? It just ruined his career. Like he's not yeah. the same guy anymore. Like he his chin's not the same. His body's not the same. The speed and the ability to to adjust throughout the fight is not the same. I don't know. I mean, I feel for him, you know, but uh, because he's an extremely nice guy super nice guy um oh great just, guy just but you i mean you can go back go back he fought in vancouver i think it was ufc 131 against shane carwin go back and watch that fight that was the junior that was you know he had he had beaten kane for the championship and that was the junior that was so dangerous because he was fast and he had power and he could take a shot and you he just beat shane carwin up 
in that fight. And, you know, you, you, you look at that fighter now and compare him with the fighter that we're seeing present day. There's just a distinct difference between the two. And it happens to, you know, just about everybody. Father time, father time. Yeah. Yeah. Undefeated father time Um, and damage. You can only crash the car so many times. That's true. Um, what was the next fight on there? Uh, Daniel Pineda and Herbert Burns. Pineda, I told people. Ah, yeah. I man, everyone was talking to Herbert. I said, hey, trust me, Pineda's tough, man. You know, I watched Pineda when Pineda fought, I think, in Strikeforce, fought in Bellator. Pineda is good. He is a tough dude, and he's got a good, solid ground game. He will stand and bang, and I'm looking. I said, yeah, Herbert Burns in a jiu-jitsu match will beat him. But there's one thing I know about Pineda. He does not quit. And jujitsu guys, eventually, I had watched Herbert fight a couple times. Great jujitsu, great on, on top, good off his back. But if you're punching a guy in the middle of the face, it yeah. tends to make them stop going for those submissions and stuff. And I know I knew that Pineda is a guy that when he gets on top, be it in guard, half guard, He's busy and he's always trying to inflict damage on you. He got that crucifix on him. That was well played. I mean, you look at a guy that knows how to get out of that position. He was not getting out of it. The legs were tight. He controlled the other arm. He was dropping elbows on him continuously. Just a beautiful performance by Daniel Pineda. I was very happy for him because he, you know, been in the USC, you know, at one time, then left and now back and just looked really good. Do you feel that there's a lot of pressure on Burns because of his brother? Yes. I th- I actually I actually feel like they're pushing him too fast based upon his brother. He doesn't have the resume of quality fights that you look at and you go, man, you know, yeah, he's that guy that you know, you can look at and say, I can start putting him against those tougher guys because, you know, as you know, there's levels to this sport. Yeah. And when you start looking at who they're matching him up with, you go, and I don't know if you if you have enough seasoning at this point in the in the guys all the guys you fought to put you at that. This you know I'm I'm not sure that they were looking at Pineda as that guy that was that tough guy that was gonna you know push him. I think I thought they were kind of you know looking like you know Herb you know Herbert will get past him. He'll probably submit him. And I I told guys trust me. If you're going to, I always say, if you're going to bet, bet underdogs, bet Pineda on this. Pineda is 27 and 13 and Herbert is 11 and three. That's a huge difference in the amount of fights, experience. experience. And it just, I think as the fight went on and just Herbert had no answer for when he was all bottom, he just had no answer. There was, it's one, like I've, I've, we've, we've talked about this all the time. You can take some of the best black belts. And they become white belts right away when you start punching oh. them in the face. He's good. He's a fi- he's a good fighter. But at 32 years old, what you, you got to fast track him, or you're just basically fighting him for money, you know? And I'm a big Herbert fan. I remember watching him in One uh, FC. I'm sorry, One Fighting Championship. I had some people comment that they were upset the fact that I kept calling it One FC. Um, Why? I don't know what it is. That's what it is. Look at the look at their thing. One yeah. FC. One FC. Um. <laughs> You know, I'm glad that he's here in the UFC now. I'm glad that he's uh, trying to make his name over here now. But 
he just he just I think it's the experience is too much of a was too much of a factor in the fight. And that you could see as it progressed, the fight, it just the experience yep. paid a factor. So oh, anyway. Absolutely. The um, longer it went, the worse it was because he had no answer. And when yeah. you try something and it doesn't work, then you try it again and it doesn't work, then you start to question, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. And when you've got that going through your mind, you got a guy on top of you that's landing big shots, not a good place to be. Yeah, I think every fighter has like their go-tos. And when those go-tos don't work, you have to have a plan B. And it didn't seem like he had a plan B. So I went like from my go-to didn't work and now I'm just on bottom stuck and that that's not a good thing, you know? Um, I feel like there's a, l a lot of pressure on him as well because of the last name. You know, his brothers exploded onto the scene, especially in the last year, year and a half. And so that's a little bit more pressure on him. Just um, a little. What else? Well, you had uh, Marab against John Dodson. Yeah. You got to love Marab. <laughs> good God, the guy can wrestle. No, dude. But could, come on, you got to, can he wrestle? I mean, as far as the, the, the takedowns and the attempts that he's making, but how about Dotson and just, what? As, yeah. I mean, he's got both hands locked, hips, takes him down. And as soon as they hit the ground, he's going, and he's out. And he's going, yeah. Oh, that's frustrating as hell. <laughs> you get him in that position, you can't keep him. That's, that's not, that's not good for your ego. It's one of those things like every time you get taken down, you get back up, you take it out. Like you're trying to break the other person's will, but it didn't have any effect. He just kept taking him down, just kept taking him down. Like with Khabib, he doesn't care if you get up. He's just going to keep taking you down. And eventually you're going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm tired of getting up. You know, and that's kind of like what I was seeing in this fight was that he just kept taking him down. Dawson kept getting up, kept taking him down. But it was frustration sets in and you're not able to get anything off. You're so worried about getting taken down that you you're, don't want to throw anything. Well, that's exactly what I think happened in the fight with Dotson is he was, you know, being defensive as far as worrying about the shot. So it limited his offense, and it just got to the point he offensively just wasn't doing enough to win the rounds. Even if Durab was, I'm sorry, Marab was, you know, not doing great stuff. You know, he's kneeing to the legs and stuff. Hey, he's busy. He's putting you against the cage. He's trying to rough you up and you're not landing shots and you've yeah. got to, you know, be offensive. And that's what, you know, double shilly does is he takes away your offense. That's a mouthful. It double. is. <laughs> but Rob double shilly. Um, I guess with, with Dotson, like, where does he go from here? The one thing that I, I had a question of, you know, I, when did he leave Jackson Wink? I have no idea. I didn't because I. It's been a while though. Has it? I thought has so. he has he had a fight already where he wasn't there? I believe so, but I mean, I could be wrong. He here's the thing: is like honestly, I haven't paid attention to him because he's gotten pushed down in the cards so much. I don't know if it's because he's a smaller guy, but he was always exciting to watch. But for some oh, reason, fun to watch. Like he's keeps getting pushed down. I mean, he lost to what is it? Like, he lost to Peter Yan. He lost to Jimmy Rivera. He beat uh, Pedro Munoz. He lost to Marlon Moraes. Like he's he beat Eddie Wineland. I mean, like you go through the list. He lost to John Lineker. Like he has these up and down 
Yeah, so he's always the guy that wins one, loses yeah. one, wins one, loses one. So then now that's pushed him down to the you know into the prelims, and yeah. you just start losing track of guys. I mean, realistically, he's fun to watch because he's so he's got like cat like reflexes. Yeah. It's funny because his body movement when he does certain things, you look and you go, God damn, he is fast and athletic. And then sometimes, and I was seeing this last night. I'm like, when he was punching, it was like. Dude, you're pushing that. You're not snapping that. Yeah. It, it didn't seem like there was the speed behind the punch when he would go for it at times. I don't, you know, don't know what's going on with it. He's he's a remarkable fighter. He just has a lot of losses based upon, you know, he gets in these fights where he doesn't have that offensive output that he needs to get the judges to yeah. give him that that nod. Yeah, he he's lot, but a lot of it, a lot of his losses are to like top top guys. I mean, he's twenty. Oh, yeah. he's twenty one and twelve. I mean, like I, I went through the list of guys. I mean, like Peter Yan, Jimmy Rivera. I mean, he's lost Marlon Rice. I mean, there's Demetrius the top, Johnson. Yeah, the guys are on the list. John Lineker. Yeah. He the guys that are on the list that he's yeah. lost to. They're, they're the top guys. Like they're in that title talk every single time. So one or two nods, you know, this this way or that way, you know, he could be the champion. Um, look for me. What's uh, Dan Miller? Dan Miller or Jim Miller? Joe, sorry, Jim. Jim. You, want to, you, you, can, you can do the brother. Dan is the brother. <laughs> no, Jim. Um, I feel the same way how I feel about with DC. It's time. It's time to hang it yeah. up. It's time. Yeah. He just, uh, the explosiveness doesn't look there. The scrambles are not there. If you're doing it for money, I get it. But I mean, he's got 36 fights in the UFC. Yep. That means you've 37 been fighting, now. Yeah, you've been fighting a lot of the top guys for a long damn time. Like, it's okay to just say, "Hey, I had a good career." I, I, I don't know what you do. Like, you just do it for the money, you know. If that's what you want to do, do it. But if you want to be champion, I think that time, that time's come and gone. Well, you you got to look and you got to look and you know what? He's thirty six years old. Yeah, and uh, you know the guy he fought, Vince Bichelle, I know very well. He, he you know, I, I helped start him off in fighting MMA. Came to my gym with a guy that had no background in anything. No wrestling, no striking, no freaking submission game at all. But he said, I've decided I'm going to be a fighter. And, I, and we at the time, I used to have a fight team tryouts. And we put him through one of the tryouts. And the one thing that I had noticed about him was he was tough. He was super strong for you know a lighter weight guy. And just did not quit. I put him against black belts that were putting him in all kinds of stuff. He had no idea how to get it, but he wouldn't tap. And so when we, we go to pick, I have, my coach was a guy named Brian Peterson. He was still there. You know, the two guys that were in Vince's corner last night, Pete Sugarfoot Cunningham and Brian Peterson are still with him. And those were my guys. And they're sitting there saying that this guy doesn't know anything. I said, yeah, he doesn't. That's your job to teach him because he's fucking tough and you can't yeah. teach that. I go, I got a bunch of guys there that are really talented and they're just, they'll quit. That guy doesn't quit. And Vince has made himself into just an incredibly tough fighter. He's been in the UFC for a long time. You figure, I think we had like four fights for him before he went to the ultimate fighter, which was that season that uh, Ally Quinta and Michael Chiesa. And you know, there was a lot of good guys in that group. Yeah. And, you know, Darren Cruikshank was in it, Justin Lawrence. And he, uh, He's been with the UFC ever since, even though he's had long times where he had big stretches of no fights. He had a really bad eye injury off of one of the fights. 
but he's got two losses in the UFC. One to Ruslam Kabalov, who you, you, know, yeah. you talk about because they wanted you to fight him. And, uh, you know, that was, he had, he had left my gym at that point and went down to uh, Alliance. And uh, he was, he came back and uh, he uh, was talking about what he's going to do. And I said, have you watched this guy? He goes, yeah, 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 I saw him in a video. He was throwing ice on something. I said, oh my God. I said, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing with you, but you know, good luck to you. Yeah. But you're, you're fucked. Yeah. Cause matchup wise, it was just a bad matchup at that time for him. And he, you know, he got suplex like fucking three times. Oh jeez. Belly to back suplex it. Boom, but a boom. Right. And it was like, knocked him out. Oh jeez. And then he's got, he's got the one loss. He had a loss to Gregor Gillespie. Yeah. That you know, Gregor outworked him. You know, Vince got up from Gregor. That was the first time that Gregor really had to work, but you know, the wrestling was the difference. But, you know, that was a big win for Vince. I think probably the biggest name, you know, in, in being uh, Jim Miller. Good win for him. But Jim, you know, just a tough dude. And he fought, he fought really well in it. But when the ground game is actually, you know, what has gotten you a lot of your wins. And when uh, a guy physically, and, and I'll, I will tell you, Vince is physically strong. But he physically dominated Jim in the ground yeah. at a certain point, and that's what wore Jim Jim out. And so, good fight, great you know, great win for Vince Michelle. I'm proud of him. You know, congratulations. Uh, but it's where do you go if you're Jim? This is, comes yeah. down to that point. You know, the championships that that's not even an equation for you yeah. anymore. So why are you fighting? Is it because it's the love? Okay, you know, is it is it the payday? Okay. But you got to figure out where's where, where's the end game. What is this going to lead you to? And, and you, you can't let it lead you to the point where your your health is at the end being diminished at a more rapid way, more rapid rate, based upon you continuing to fight. Yep. No, I agree. No, obviously, I mean, I agree. Like, get out now while you still can have a conversation. Yes. You know, as much as we love fighting, we're addicted to it. We love being in the locker room and competition. You, you hear it all the time from other athletes, whether it's baseball, football, and whatever. They love being in the locker room. It's the addiction of being around the guys, but you got to be willing. What's to, fun. Yeah, but you got to be willing camaraderie, get, but you got to be willing to get rid of that to move on with your, your new life. And that's, I mean, and that's hard. That's hard for a lot of athletes. So who knows? I mean, um, 36 fights, 37 fights now, but I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of fights. So you're fighting some really, really good guys, you yep. know? So, um, other than that, I mean, I thought the card was pretty good. I thought it was, it was a good card. Um, I was the whole time I was just thinking about the DC fight. So I didn't really get into a whole lot. You know who I thought looked good was this kid, Danny Chavez. Oh, he was fast. Good God. He has some power. Nice. He's fast. He totally was fast. He started tiring out in the third, but I was impressed, man. I was like, you're, mm. you're good. Man, I'll tell you what. He was throwing, you know, they, they were showing him before and, and he was, you know, running his hands. And I was like, he's got fairly fast hands. And then when he was out there with TJ, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. This kid's got speed, man. He is crazy quick when he decides to go it's out and back before you can see it man it's like he was all over tj with some of those shots the kicks tj you can see when a guy is not seeing it coming yeah and tj was doing everything try to adjust and, and make it to where he could see the things that were coming 
that first two rounds, man, he was getting hit with some shots. Beautiful, beautiful, you know, debut by Chavez, and goddamn, you're fast. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah, I thought he did everything he needed to do, and I thought he he stamped his name in that division. I mean, he's 33, though, so that's where you got to be careful yeah. with him. Like, he, he, you got to fast track him, or I feel like kind of what they're tr- trying to do with Herbert Burns is you got to fast track him. Otherwise, you're just wasting time, you know, having him. But sadly, he's, I don't know if he's quite ready for that upper group of guys, but you, like I said, 33 years old, you don't have no time to waste. Yeah, but if you give him one or two more fights and then mm-hmm. say, all right, I'm going to throw you into the deep end of the pool and start giving him someone in that top 10. Okay, see how he does. One or two more fights, though, that's a year. That's a year, year. Maybe yeah, not, not right now. Yeah. Not right now, based upon one. And when I'm saying it, you, get, you take a look, guys are getting, you know, fights and then another fight somewhere within a month and a half, yeah. two months. So he could get, you know, a couple more fights in, you know, before the end of the year. And that puts him at 34 years of age, yeah. you know, in 2020, you know, 2021, where, hey, now stick him against the top tier. See how he does. All depends on if he continues to win or not. Yeah. As you say, winning solves everything. It does. <laughs> it does. It does. It'll solve this problem. Uh, we had a guest on today. Yes, we do. And I'm excited because bellator is we're doing we're doing things now that it's it's they're noteworthy like hey we are signing we're not just signing guys we're signing guys that are now ranked in the top three four you know that are available and uh we got the signing of Corey uh, anderson and he will be on with us uh here shortly what a good guy Corey anderson is, yeah you know? i mean just you talk about just down home Comes from the wrestling background, hard worker, good overall MMA game, man. He is very good. You know, I think uh, his time with DC is only going to improve his aspects of you know how he looks at fights because he trains with great guys too, in Eddie Alvarez and you know Frankie, Frankie. You know, guys like that to give him direction. He's got Mark Henry as a coach, so uh, sometimes when you get to be around the guy that's the champ and, and you hear certain things from him. It just gives you that little bit of knowledge that takes you to that next level. And when you take a look, there's so many good matchups for him. You know, we've got, you know, Phil Davis against Corey would be a great fight. Leota Machida against Corey would be a great fight. Then you got, you know, if he comes in and he wins, you know, either Nemkov or Bader, both are great fights. And I know that Corey has trained with Bader in the past, so he's very familiar with him. I think their backgrounds are very similar in the fact that, you know, Bader was the, the ultimate fighter winner. Corey was the ultimate fighter winner. They both kind of went into the UFC young in their careers, only a couple fights. And then, you know, basically, you know, they were learning on the fly while fighting in the UFC and actually were very successful. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun seeing him fight in Bellator. Yeah. I'm excited to see. um, I want to talk to him again after the Nemkov and Bader fight, see where he thinks he can exploit whoever the winner is. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him also fight the winner of uh, what Machida and Phil Davis. I think is the next fight for the two of them. Yep, those guys. So I like to see that conversation as well. Um, there's a lot of guys in there. I, mean, I like to see a Liam McGeary fight, maybe. You know, with his submissions from the bottom. You know, if he's healthy, I think he he can be dangerous. You know, uh, he's tall, long, lanky, could pose some threats. 
But I would like to just see those those a lot of those fights play out. So we're gonna see what happens. But I'm excited that we had him on. Great conversation. Um, you know, he's excited to be with Bellator, which is nice. You know, he was um he understands. He understands. He does now. <laughs> he understands. I'm sorry. Do you wanna be a superstar or do you wanna make money? As a fighter, you have to make that choice. Do you wanna be in the UFC and potentially be a superstar? Or do you want to go somewhere else? Maybe not be a superstar, but make money. So you have those, you have those uh, dilemmas you have to deal with as a as a as an athlete and as a person. Do you want to take care of your family? Do you want to you know own a house? Do you want to do all, you want to own everything that you have, or do you want to you know continue to try and strive to be a, a superstar? It's it's a catch twenty two. It really is hard for I think a lot of athletes to to figure out. It, it's always tough because you're always striving for that. You want to say, I'm fighting for the belt. I want the belt. Okay. I totally understand. And that's a, that's a great goal, but you have to prioritize your goals and you have to take a look and say, if you win the belt, what are you going to do with it? What's it going to do for you? Because you can win the belt and it can change your life based upon what you do from that point forward. And it can change your life both good and bad and you have to always take a look and i've said it too many times you as a fighter you are a brand you need to run your business understand that you are a business within a business and yes your promotion be it the ufc or be it bellator they are a business and you're running your business within that business and you're responsible for your brand you're responsible for making the right choices and you know as a as a person we all want to get to that championship level and not all of us are going to ever do that yeah. Corey has that ability that he can make that happen but he always needs to to look and say you know, how much money am i going to make how many fights do i have to do before I, I can provide for my family in the way that i need to provide for for the rest of my life and you know he made a choice that you know he wasn't making the money that he felt he needed or deserved and basically asked for his release. They gave it to him. I don't think that was a smart move by the UFC. I, you know, that's not putting them down, but you know, I think they're looking at it saying, well, if you don't want to be with us, we don't want you. Okay. You know, I can understand that's rare that, but, that they do that though. Yeah. But you're, you're getting rid of a guy who can beat anybody on a given night. Now, if he makes mistakes, he'll get beat. If he fights smart and, and controlled and he can beat anybody. And so, Getting rid of a top tier guy, you know, that was their choice. Bellator was smart in picking him up, and he's happy. That's the best part. Yeah, I think he had mentioned when you guys hear the interview, which is coming up next. Um, when you guys hear it, you'll understand. I went through the same thing. I was offered a title shot with Anthony Pettis, and then when Pettis got injured, they offered me a guy that was barely ranked in the top fifteen. And it didn't make sense. And he's just like, why are you doing this to me? They don't want you. They don't want you. Not that they don't want you to succeed, but you're just not in their plans right now. Maybe later on you will be, but right now as a moment, like it was, it, the, he was not in their plans. And so he just asked for his release and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go somewhere else where maybe potentially could appreciate me or, you know, pay me more money, which is another thing. But I think, I think a lot of it though is as well as, it's the Ali factor. 
I hate to say, I, I keep going back to this. <laughs> he's he he has a good relationship with Dana, you know, and he's got a decent relationship with Coker. And the whole thing is like, all right, look, if you're not going to take care of my guy, you're not going to fight my guy. I have 15 other guys that are on your roster. Just cut him. Then I'll take him somewhere else. And the UFC, I think, obliged because of the fact that his manager has 10 other guys that are in the UFC and they're probably in the top five. Then he's got, you know, a bunch of other guys that are all on the roster. So I, I'm not, Dana's not known to do that. But I also think, though, too, there was a lot of banter back and forth with Corey and talking about, you know, the promotion not doing this, promotion not doing this. And I think they're just like, look, let's just nip it in the butt now. Let's just get rid of it. Like, we're, you know, let's get rid of him as, as an athlete and we're good. Go ahead and go. We'll, we'll, we'll touch base again maybe later on. And, uh, I think a little, like I said, I think a lot of the factor out of play was that Ollie was able to sit with Dana or whoever it was and be like, hey, this isn't working for my guy. My guy's not happy. Let's let's just move him on. And they were able to do it, which I don't think was a good, I don't, you and I both agree. It wasn't a good move by them because no. you've just basically validated the fact that if he goes over there now and he loses, he was ranked number four, I think, in the UFC rankings. If he goes over there and loses, you know, to Nemkov or Bader or, you know, Phil or you're kind of that division now is starting to shape up a little bit. That 205, you know, light heavyweight division is now starting to shape up in Bellator, you know, and it gets a little sketchy now. So you're helping build that brand. And I don't think it was a good move by them. Like you and I both agree. Yeah. But I think it's great for Corey. And so really, again, I go athlete first. Good for him. It's, it's going to work for him. He's going to get paid what he wants. And now he needs to perform. He performs. Things are going to be great for him. Yeah. You guys just remember when you guys start to tune into this, uh, this interview, I do not beat around the bush. I go right to, let's talk about the money. <laughs> John's, John's like, no, no, you don't have to tell us what you make. Uh, no, I, that's, that's the number one thing. I think fighters need to remember that it's about, we are prize fighters. It's about the money. And I think he did that. And uh, I'm glad he got paid. All right. Absolutely. So I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with uh, Corey Anderson, new signing to Bellator. And uh, you guys, make sure you guys tune in this weekend to Nemkov and Bader, which will be the main event in Mohegan Sun. That will be on Paramount Network. It will also simulcast on uh, DAZN. And um, it should that be will be an that will be incredible fight. Yes, it will. I cannot wait. All right. So we have the honor right now of talking with the newest addition to the Bellator light heavyweight ranks the guy who was right at the top ready to do battle with John Jones it never came to fruition but Corey Anderson how you doing brother congratulations on your contract what does it feel like what's going on guys I'm doing great and uh the answer was it feel like it feel like a new beginning it's like new life like I keep telling people it's just a new way to start over I literally Started my career in the UFC, three fights within six months. Ultimate Fighter won that in the UFC. I grew up there. It was a great platform to develop and grow on. And, you know, I was there for so long. And I just feel like now this is just something new. Seven years later in my career, I get to see new faces, a new organization, new new ways of di- different things. The boss alone is completely different. And I'm excited, man. I can't wait to get there and see this new beginning. Yeah, the boss is definitely different. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the boss is definitely different. I've been in both places for a long time. Um, all right, let's get right into this. 
Let's talk about the money, man. Let's talk about the money. He doesn't <laughs> want to talk about it. That's his I, business. Look, I get it. Don't I ask understand. him how much he's getting. I'm not asking you I'm how sorry, much. Corey. I'm sorry, Corey. I'm not asking rude. you how much you're making. <laughs> I, I'm not asking you how much you're making. I'm just, I'm. what I want to ask you, though, is that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, get people to come over. What I'm trying to get people to understand is that the free market agency is where it is at. You see it in the in the NBA. You see it in the NFL. Talk to, talk to us about, like, the fact that you were like, hey, you asked for your release, correct? Am I correct or am I not? You asked for your release. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure because my manager handled that whole situation. So I'm not sure if he asked or they said, would he want to get released to go get more money or yeah. what? But either way, he said, if the release was presented to you, would you take it? I was like, if we go get more money, 100%, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And literally a few moments later, we got the release and that next thing you know, Bellatro's called. But what was the whole... So all these, your manager and yeah. what exactly, how did that all transpire? And the fact that like they let someone to go, that's a top, you were, you were ranked number four in their rankings right now. So how, yeah. how, how did it all happen? Like, like what, what made you, what made them want to think that it's okay to release someone like you? I think it's cause I was playing hardball. In the last year or so, I've been playing hardball since I've been, like I said, I got Frankie Edgar, I got Eddie Alvarez, I got all these veteran guys on my team, yeah. and they know me. I usually just say yes to fights, yes to fights. And last year, with the Johnny Walker fight, when that came about, you know, I was telling my manager, I told Mick Maynard, I told Dana, I told Hunter Campbell, I sat with Hunter and everybody and told them, like, look, I've been fighting top 10 guys my whole career. I'm ranked up, like, number six or I can't six or seven. Mm-hmm. Like, why you want me to fight this kid that at the time was, like, ranked 15 or something? Like, that makes yeah. no sense to me. I just beat the number four and the number three back-to-back. And you want me to go back and fight somebody? What yeah. sense does that make? Like, oh, well, he's, he's got a lot of hype on his name, and it can make fireworks for you. Pretty much just trying to get him, use me as a walking board for it. Like, okay, you want me to fight this kid? Pay me. If you want me to fight this kid, I'm not going to keep taking these dumb fights for nothing. I want to fight for the title. This kid's not going to get me there. So if you want me to fight him, pay me. And they go, oh, we won't pay you because you got a new contract. And it's, I was like, well, it doesn't work. It's not working to me. And I literally told Mick Maynard, the last person I met was Mick Maynard. Like, Mick, this fight makes no sense. Zero sense. I beat him. What happens? Nothing. Nothing. He beats me. You got to give him a title shot, right? And they're like, yeah. probably. And so that makes sense because he's hot. He gets a title <laughs> shot. He beats me. But I won't because not a lot of people know my name. And after that, it was like, this is a business. If I'm going to do it, I need to get paid for it. So my plan was, you know, get this fight. I win the Yan fight, and I would have had one or two fights left, and I would have been in a position to negotiate or whatever, keep going. And then after the Yan fight, like I said, and all that, it got scary health issues. And I was like, yeah, I need to get this money now. I don't have time to wait because if this happened, this could have been it for me. So I needed to get my worth. I got a fee. We need to pay. And uh, we got offered another fight. And Nikita Krylov, I took it. He's a veteran. That's a guy. He's been there a while. Okay, that's worth it. I'll fight him. Then he got hurt, and they wanted to fight somebody with one fight again. Like, yeah, I'm not doing it. You pay me. You know the deal. Pay me or I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, I know where. They went back and forth from my manager. I was like, get more money or I'm not fighting. Yeah. Then next thing you know, the option came. If you were free, if they release you, would you take it? Hundred percent. We're gonna get more money, and it ha- yeah. happened that easy. So having somebody like you know with Eddie, Eddie's somebody who's always gone. I've known Eddie for a long time. Is he's just he's just someone that like, hey, you know what? If they get paid, if I get paid more over here, I'm going there. 
Did that, mm-hmm. did that did that help your influence a little bit? Like speaking with guys like Frankie. Frankie's been taken care of because he had, they had really no choice to take care of Frankie. I mean, in the beginning, they were trying to you know they had no choice. They were not <laughs> when you be, when, when when you when you beat when you beat BJ Penn twice, and then not only you they kind of start okay. Look, we got to start doing something. You you've got a name. You've you've done something. You know, like Frankie's done things in the sport. They're like okay, look, now we kind of got to take care of you. With Eddie, he came from Bellator then. Eddie's someone that's always went where the money was, no matter what, from Bodog to what Elite XC to all these places. He, he that's all he's ever done. And I tip my hat to him, man. Like it takes a lot of courage to go and do what he's done, and you're doing that now. So, were these guys a little bit of an influence on what you were doing, or was it just you being like, hey, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I need to make this money. They were an influence. Like I said, talk to Eddie last year with Johnny Walker. We sat down. We talked on the phone. Eddie, I talked to Eddie all the time. I trained his mind financially and business-wise. He's been around the game forever. I think our first serious conversations when he was doing tough was in the casino. Like 2 o'clock in the morning. We was playing uh, blackjack. He just started schooling me on all his financial stuff. And I was like, yep. I've been here for like five years and I've never heard any of this. And after that, when he came back to Jersey, I would always ask him questions. And he always kicks it straight to me. So when this this whole thing came up, one thing that came to my mind is what he had told me last year. So I called him and like, make sure running by him and make sure he's doing the right thing. He was like, bro, this is exactly what you need to be doing. Test the free agency. See how that goes, blah, blah, blah. And another thing, DC, like I said, I was out there with him and I kept talking to him about the situation. And I was like, look, I want to get that belt. I want that UFC belt so bad. And he was, that's the thing. So many people get tied into that epiphany of the UFC belt. You got to think, a belt is a belt, man. Yeah. But you got a family now. He said, like, I understand. You're good. You can be the champ. There's no doubt about it. You can be the champ. But you got to think about your family. Is that belt, getting that belt going to help your family? Or is making more money going to help your family? Like, don't say you don't fight for the money because when's the last time you were in a street fight? Like, you know why you walk away from street fights now? Because you don't fight for free. Remember that. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, oh, shit, he's right. So if I can go take the same risk to make more money, why would I not go over there and make the bigger dollar with the same risk? I can get the same outcome, but now I feel like it's worth fighting for. And now it was like when I talked to my wife, she also had that dream to go get the UFC belt. And she didn't want to let it go as well, but we broke it down into the numbers. It's like, all right, you're right. This makes sense to our family, so let's do it. Yeah. Well, right now, with you're you're a young fighter still. You're 30 years of age. You're in your prime, and you have a lot looking forward. How? What is this contract? I'm not asking money like Josh would. I'm asking how many fights is your first contract with Bellator? How many fights is it for? Um, six fights, 24 months. Okay. So in that six-fight period, you come into Bellator, you start to win. When is it that you think you should be fighting for the title if you're if you're winning? I mean, I think one or two wins at the beginning, whatever. If they give me one right off the get-go, I'm ready. If I say one fight, I'll take it. Two fights, I understand. I'm new. Either way, I'm there at the point. Like I say, the money there offer me and pay me, it's really like, I can't really say much, you know, it's my job. They pay me to do my job, and this is worth me going out there and doing my job. That's what before, like they just paying me to be a person and just be a stepping stone, and that ain't my job. Alright, so right now in Bellator, they've got, we've got a lot of guys in the light heavyweights. We've got some studs there. 
you got Bader's going to fight Nemkov for the title in just a week's time now. And you got guys like Phil Davis and all these other guys. Who is it you believe you you should fight in your first fight in Bellator? I mean, it's hard to say who I think I should believe, who I believe I should fight, because I'll fight any of them. But again, when you're a new kid on the block, when you're a new kid on the block, you can't really come in and call shots. You know, you got Phil Davis, Yoda Machida, Bader, and them call all four be great matchups for me. Um, like I said, people are going to say, oh, he don't deserve title in the first fight. So I want to fight whoever's going to get me there the fastest. Just like I said in the UFC, I'm not here for just to be fighting. I want to get to the title. So whichever one of these fights is going to get me there the soonest, line them up. Let's go. I line them up. I'm going to knock them down. Just keep on moving forward. Are you going to be there this weekend in Connecticut for this fight? For the Bader and Namcow fight? Yeah, I don't, didn't think it was any way to get any outside people there because yeah. of COVID. So I didn't even ask. Gotcha, gotcha. Out of those two guys, what do you see that each one does well that like that would maybe pose threats for you? I'm 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 just I'm just throwing it out. Wow, there. devil's advocate there, man. <laughs> yes. Um, I know Bader. I trained with Bader a few times. Actually, I trained with him both times. He prepared for the Phil Davis fight. He called me out to help him with those camps. So. I know he, he does what he tries to throw his overhand right to get to a shot. He sells that pretty well, but you can, like I said, I've been around it, did it two camps in a row. It's kind of like you got timing on it. Now I know what's coming. If he's actually throwing a punch to throw or he's throwing a punch to shoot, I can tell from his feet. But if I get caught sitting like days ago, he definitely has a chance to get in and taking me down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for Nimkov, he's really good at, he's got that, the Russian style. We got some Russians on our teammate, and they all beat their light on their feet. They're always bouncing. It's kind of like they're never sitting still in front of you. And it's like you don't know if they're about to shoot or they're going to punch. And then when they do punch, they, they can hop out really fast. So when you go to counter, you get pulled in to take, uh, getting taken down. Like they hit you, and when they go to pop back, you go to strike and catch them. And they're pulling you in to overextend yourself if you're underneath you. So I know he's really good at going in and out, but I think it's more of a fact. He's good at going in and out, and when you go to counter, he had chopped that front leg like he did with Lee McGeary, which made him stop, and he was also doing it to Phil Davis. I haven't seen the whole fight yet. But when you step in, he kicked that leg, and I think he can get the take, get in on the takedown as well. But I don't think his takedowns are as good as Bader's. No. Yeah. You and you and Bader, you actually you've mimicked each other's career because – you started basically with the ultimate fighter. That's where, and you won that Bader did the same thing. He had a couple of fights before it, but won the ultimate fighter had a really good run in the light heavyweight. And then he decided to leave and he's done just phenomenal things in Bellator being the double champ. When you look and since you have worked with him so much, are you thinking that he would be the better matchup for you as the title challenger going for the championship? Or do you think that that, style will say Nemkov beats him. That's a better style for you to face. I think the Nemkov would be a better style for me to face, to be honest, because somebody that can threaten strikes and whatnot, the only way, let's put it, if you look at my UFC fights, the only way you're going to beat me is if you catch me with a strike. You know, you got to catch me so to knock me out. That's, you're not going to outwork me in the wrestling aspect. You're not going to outwork me in the gra- grappling with the scrambles because I'm just, I'm just one of those athletic, explosive, like, I'm not super athletic, but I'm a hard-working athletic work. If we get into a wrestling situation, I'm going to out-wrestle you. I'm going to make sure you get tired before I get tired. So once you get tired, that's when I'm going to take over. As for when you got a guy like Nimkov who can strike and mix it up, he has a better chance of catching me on coming in on the shot 
or catch me trying to throw a counter with one hand down and cook me on the chin or the temple or something. As for I'm not saying Bader doesn't have power, but I feel like his biggest threat, his biggest threat that he poses is his groundwork. Granted, he did knock out Moe and Fedor with that, the fake down low hook to the head. When you fight somebody like me that's always bouncing and moving, it's kind of hard to land it because I'm never going to stand right there waiting for a body shot. So let, let's just let's just say you end up getting the winner of like Machida or not the winner, but like you end up getting like say a Machida or a Phil Davis. I mean, how'd be the winner of that fight? Yeah. So how, how <laughs> do you fight for both of them? How do you plan on? I mean, like for me, once that fight happens for you, when you're when you fight them, what's next for you after that? You're thinking like, okay, look, I have Phil Davis who fought who's fought Bader uh, twice. And then now I have Machida, who is basically right up there in the top talk. Where where do you consider yourself to be in that that mix of guys? Like after BM, or if I had to fight either one of them. I'm saying if you have to fight either one of them, after you beat them, after you beat them, that puts you where? I mean, I would feel like there's only left after those two guys is the title. I mean, I don't I feel like there's any. I don't feel like as many other people in Bellator right yeah. now as. Above Leota or Phil. You know, we had Liam McGeary, Phil beat him. He's still out right now. Nimkov was the other guy who beat both Liam and Phil. He's up. Machida fought. Kale Kale's out. So if Machida, I mean, like I said, it's not like it's not a lot of people in 205, but there's just not the guys that's beating Phil Davis. Phil Davis beat everybody, but Nimkov and Bader. Bader beat everybody else coming up. Nimkov beat everybody else coming up. So if I was to go out there, and beat the winner of Phil and Leota. It's like, who would I, would I should I go backwards and fight the rest of the lineup just to prove, or I already just head, jumped ahead, got a head start? Head starts are always good. Take the head starts. <laughs> good thing. Stick with it. Here, here's what I'm, I'm going to ask you a simple question because it's going to happen. I'm just being real. The MMA media tends to start to forget you when you're not fighting in the UFC. And Right now, you're number four in the rankings. I think number five in the MMA junkie rankings. We'll say you come in, you get your first fight, you win. We'll give you a second fight, you win. You get the title fight, and you win. And now you're world champion for Bellator, and your ranking has gone from fourth or fifth down to now you're twelfth. What does that mean to you? Nothing. I like that. I got it's about the money. That I'm, I'm, not media, I'm not fighting for the fame. If that was the case, that would have been the, take, the thing that keep me in the UFC. Like I said, I'm fighting for my family. The best thing for me to know and my family know is that their daddy, their husband, their son, their brother, their, whatever it is, their cousin is one of the best in the world. No matter what the numbers say, you know what it is. You've seen what right. I did in the UFC. Now I got a belt to go with it. Only thing that changed on the belt is those three letters UFC are gone. It's still a belt. Like I said, in the wrestling atmosphere, if you go from D1 to D2 and you still win a national championship, guess what? You're still honored as a national champion. And that's all that matters. I don't care about the fame. I'm a country boy. I live at home. I stay home with my family. I don't live glorious. I just live. As long as I'm living, I'm happy. That sounds good to me. It's exactly the way to look at it. This is a business, and we talk about it all the time. You have to run your business. And from what I see right now, Corey, you're running your business and you're being smart. That's what we always want to see. What is the, let me ask you this. What is the infatuation with, with the UFC? I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to knock them. I just want to know what, what do you, what's your perspective on why people from the outside looking in 
there's an infatuation with like, oh, you have to fight in the UFC. You have to win a title there. You have to do this. What's your take on that? Go ask a little kid that want to be a fighter and ask him what he want to be when he grew up. He's going to say, I want to be a UFC champion. You don't hear anybody say, I want to be a Bellator champion. Yeah. I want to be a regional circuit champion, ring combat or CFFC or wherever you are. It's because all you see growing up on TV is UFC. There's a UFC video game. There's UFC trading cards, UFC posters, a UFC bobbleheads. There's UFC action figures, bumper stickers. You don't see all that stuff in Bellator. So in the limelight in life, all the kids see when you grow up is UFC, UFC, UFC. We get guys coming to the gym, look all my whole life, I, I wanted to be in the UFC and this is my chance to start fighting. You don't hear people say, oh, my whole life I wanted to get in the Bellator, or my whole life I wanted to get in the one, or my whole life I wanted to get into there. Not that those are great places, just those guys aren't on the front line. Those aren't the guys that you see on TV all the time. They aren't, haven't been around as long. The owner isn't out there talking on TV and ranting on Twitter and Instagram, making posts like Dana White does. Scott Coker is a little laid back, sit back, you know. He let things come to him. That's what Dana is out there. He's loud. He's out there. He's letting you know, we're going to be the best organization in the world. We're going to do everything we can to make that happen. The way they run their businesses are different. And as a guy with a business degree, like I said, I understand that. And I said in an interview a couple of days ago, there's two different owners. You got one owner, he's at the top, and he's like Donald Trump. He's making it known, always speaking, always speaking his voice, his opinion, saying things. People don't like him. People love him. And you got Scott Coker, when everybody I've talked to loves Scott Coker. But you don't see Scott all on social media, running off at the mob. You don't see him on TV bashing his fighters. You don't see him in the limelight. He let his fighters be the attention, and that's all he wanted. He wanted to make fighters great and make a great organization around his fighters. As for Dana White, if he he has his fighters, but at the same time, he's the one that's going to make the organization great because he's making the calls, and I'm the one out here speaking and voicing everything. So when you grow up, and that's all you see is this person on TV, and he represents UFC. It's like, well, if I want to be one of the best in the world, that's where I got to go because he said he's going to be the best organization in the game. And yeah. everybody starts chasing that UFC belt, and once you start chasing, it's hard to stop. Yeah, Dana White's Puff Daddy, right? All up in the videos and shit. All of Puff that. Daddy. Damn. <laughs> he's all up Daddy in the videos. Ugly, he's all up in your music videos. He's all up in the, Yeah, I get it, man. I understand. No. Yeah, that's good. I mean, so you were out here training with DC. You watched the fight last night? Yes. What do you think? I think he didn't do exactly what he should have done to get the win, but like I said, it came down to that last round. It could have went either way. It was two and two, I think, going into that fifth. And um, uh, if he's happy with walking away, I'm happy for him. You know, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of everything he's done. I'm blessed to be able to go out there and share that camp with him, even if it was for a little bit of time. Like I said, that little bit of time, he made me realize some things that helped me change my life. So that's um, what, appreciate. What? Well, can you tell me about those things or is that something you want to just keep to yourself? I mean, like he's one of my closest friends, man, D is. So it's just uh, the camp was different, you know, training out of his house. You know, he's got that. He's set up in the what, in his garage. He built that whole new gym. You know, it just there's I, I mean, John and I've been going at it for two weeks now about this fight. And <laughs> I, he's he's like I said, he's one of my closest friends, man. It's, it's hard to watch things like that happen. It, it just felt like he didn't pull the trigger. There wasn't enough. I feel like he had more in the tank. I don't know if it was because the last fight, last pressure, all these things you put on yourself, but 
Can you talk to us a little bit about like how camp was with him? You know, for the for the couple of days you were with him. I think you were you were there for what two weeks? Like broke, yeah, broken up. I did one week, then came home with my family to help out, and went back the last week of camp. Yeah, but um, camp, what, was the, what man, was his game was plan for the fight? As you were training with him, what was the game plan that he was working toward implementing? I feel like when I, the first week I was there, the game plan was more of what he did yesterday. You know, like he took him down early, then struck, struck the later rounds throughout the rest of the time. But I feel like the last time I went out there, the game plan was more of get him to the cage, get the takedown, and just make him pay on the ground, make him pay on the ground, make him drown. You know, if he can't swim, what you drowned him? And like I was telling my wife, I don't know. It did seem like he. He got him down in the first. And I was like, yeah, there you go. Exactly what he's planning on doing. You get him down. You can use your strikes. But when he starts stepping in, that single leg can be there. And then, I, I, to be honest, I can't say exactly what happened. You know, um, he has the back history. So I don't know if maybe that after the first takedown, something happened where his back started hurting. He didn't want to risk it underneath. Um, I know when he was out there at camp one time, I checked one of his kicks and his ankle had started bothering him. But then that went past, so I don't know. Maybe Steve checked one of his kicks early because when that happened, he stopped driving off his legs. Like, he stopped shooting as much because he couldn't drive off that ankle early on in the camp. So maybe I seen Steve check one early, and maybe that happened. Maybe his ankle started bothering him again. And I don't know, but I know that last week he can't. The last week when I was out there, it was literally strike, strike, strike. You get the opportunity. He overcommit, you shoot. He was getting in on the shots. If you're on the wall, Dirty boxing, dirty boxing. When he tried to fight up top, he dropped to the legs or get his body lock or headlock and bring him to the ground. So I was pretty confident going into that fight. But like I said, things happen in fight game. You got so many injuries in camp. Something happened one time. It's kind of it take your mind away from that. Like, all right, we're not going that route anymore because this might hurt again if I do it. So you're just going to just go off the whim, off the whim. And I think before they were training to strike with him, and that's what he went back to. Did you get a takedown on him this whole camp? Did you get a takedown yeah. on him? Did yes. you get did you get a takedown on him? I'm gonna rub it in go, his face. Just go ahead, Corey. Just tell him. Absolutely. I'm gonna DC. <laughs> DC. Come on, man. I'm gonna yell at DC. DC, come, come on, man. man. Hey, me, Josh, what you mean? Nah. <laughs> he always talk he, he always talks about I don't lose takedowns in training. I don't lose takedowns in training. I'm like, all right. He loses takedowns in training when he gets tired, yeah, but yeah. he can, <laughs> Put him in enough shark tank, I'll take him down. <laughs> oh. oh, that's great. Um, I mean, overall though, was it was like how was your experience training with him? I know you were saying it was good, but like, what exactly did you take away from it? I mean, like, he's somebody to me. Look, honestly, he's somebody to me that's he's done it all right. He's fought it. He, he's had a great career. He's had a short, great career, Olympian, and then also too with uh, fighting, but now moving to analyst. You know, he's been an analyst. He's done everything correct. If you're looking as if you're looking at someone to mimic the, your career behind, I would say he's probably right up there with some of the best. You know, um, but what exactly did you take away? Not just from the training, but just as a person, what did you take away from training with DC? Well, the two things I took away training wise and fight wise, career wise, was first thing he said after our very first sparring session, like we get to the car, he looked at me, he said, Brother, there's no reason why you shouldn't be UFC champion. So I'm telling you right now, everything you do good, same thing I did to get to the yeah. belt. Your wrestling is phenomenal. Your striking is great. Your cardio is unbelievable. He's like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be the champ. And he said, second thing was, I can tell you why, because you're impatient. You like pushing the pace on everybody, and you get caught. But nobody's ever beat you. You get caught. You go out there, you learn how to be patient, 
you should be walking through everybody because yeah. I do it. And if I'm walking through everybody and I can see how you just train with me, there's no reason why anybody should be giving you a challenge. Then as for life and career, like uh, the fact that when COVID was going on, he had two houses. And he didn't see his family because of COVID. He didn't want anybody around his family. And that made me realize how important family is. Like You can't let your family get tied up in the fight business, you know? He kept his family safe away from everybody else. Not because just, I mean, because of COVID. But in my mind, it was like, I feel like also all the extra energy and drama and stuff that's going around, his family is away from that. But at the same time, he's always looking out for his family. Yeah. Every morning, he would shoot home to make sure everything was okay and he come back to the house we at. You know, if his wife needed something, his wife is about to pop pregnant, he go home and take care of the kids, take them away, and come back, you know, drop the kids back off, and he come back to the house. He's at practice. All right, we got to be there at 12. He's out the door early. Like, I've always been a punctual person. I'm always ready to go early. I'm ready to be there. But, like, him, the way he's on his guys, like, yo, like, everybody in the house, he called, low, not going to do it. We out of here. Let's go. Let's go. He'd be pulling out the driveway and somebody running, like, you was about to get left because I got to get the training. He's yeah. there. He's ready. He's serious. He was focused on what he had to do. Every you wake up sometimes, he going to do his own thing. You didn't even know. He was just so focused on this is my last fight, especially. I'm going to give it everything I got. I got to push. So it's pretty much like you got to give it all or nothing. If you're going to be in this, be in. You got to go through the trenches. Being away from his family, you can tell he wanted to be with his family, but all day and night, he was there with a house full of dudes. Well, that making no sacrifices. Yeah, sound kind of sound kind of messed up, right? But, but it is. Though. Like, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Mentally, he was putting himself in situations he had to be to be prepared to go yeah. through hell on Saturday. Last thing, Corey, for me. You now are signed with Bellator. Have they given you any indication when you are going to be fighting? Um, when I met with Scott, he said he didn't want to start till that or put me out there till after the new TV deal, which is mid September or something. And then, uh, look at you uh, giving that information out. They know if that was public. Or not. No, no, it's all good, brother. It's all good. Edit, man. Edit, that edit that out. <laughs> now nah, you, you 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 can say it. We can't say it, but you can exactly. say it. <laughs> yeah. um, Love it. Mike uh, Kagan. Hey, I can't. Remember. I didn't Kogan. 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 There you go. He said somebody was on the phone. Some about getting there in October. So either way, it's not too far out. But I'm always in the gym training, so I'm ready for whatever. I can't wait to go. Can't wait to get in there and get one of them red or blue pair of gloves and go out there and film the show. Hey, man, take care of yourself. Make sure that you stay healthy throughout this time and keep getting better, brother. I can't wait. I'm excited to see you fight, man. I actually want to talk to you some more after this whole weekend's fights with uh, Nemkov and uh, Bader. I want to see what your take is on, on which guy did what and after that. So we'll touch base again. Uh, I'll text you or whatever. We'll try to touch base again about you know what your thoughts are on the fight. Sounds good, fellas. Corey, just want to tell you, man, congratulations. Business-wise, great, smart move. Love it. And can't wait to see you and just take care of the family there, brother. Yeah, just make sure you keep doing the money dance. <laughs> money dance is good. Don't need money. money. <laughs> All right, my man. Hey, congratulations. We'll talk soon, brother. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Later, man. Take Thanks. care, my man. Thanks, bro. All right. So the one thing I want to say is, you know what? We do have that blue and red corner thing going with us because, you know, blue and red corners, that's in every fight. You know, Bellator really does it with the blue and red gloves. You know, at UFC, he's always got the tape, blue and red corners. Even got it in a little on the post and stuff. So 
with our tease, I think we need a contest. Okay. I think we need to see who ends up having more tees sold in their color, blue or red. I would prefer black, but that's like in the middle <laughs> because that's the referee. But uh, <laughs> blue or red, whoever wins it, let's we'll pick one of those guys. We'll put them on the uh, uh, on our thing and show them with their shirt. What do you think? We're going to sign a shirt and send it off to them as well. So uh, Absolutely. We will pick somebody who picks blue or red. Whoever wins, whether you guys, if you guys pick red, I'm sorry. Um, but if you guys pick blue, okay, I will sign a shirt for you. John will also sign it as well. We may even have podcasts. I'm not going to sign it. So I'm not going to sign your blue fucking but Yes, shirt. No you way. Are. There's no doubt no you way, will. Dude. There's no doubt you no. will. Um, yeah, and then we will send it off to you guys. We want to thank you guys for uh, picking our t-shirts out, man. We, I didn't realize. This, this is really nice. So yeah. Really nice. yeah, good job. Pretty good there. Hey, podcast, Dave. Good job. Eight good of good them. Job. Boom. He's like, he's like, he's like, um, yeah. So realistically, what's the uh, what's the promo code? Uh, so the underdog. Promo underdog. Yep. Underdog. Which I am the underdog because I know you guys are gonna buy his shirt because he's older and he needs you know a little bit of confidence what do you mean building. Wait, like, what, what does age have to do with this? Seventy eight years old now. So they they're gonna go with the person just a nicer human being. Oh, that might be you. <laughs> for sure. There's no <laughs> doubt. For sure, it's me. There's no doubt. If you guys really knew oh, okay. Big John. Um, okay. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, underdog is the promo code and prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. You guys can pick up any of the t-shirts, but the red and the blue will go towards us. Basically like uh, deciding who wins. And we're going to pick someone out of those that bought a red or a blue. So if John sells more tickets, somebody that bought in the red shirt. We will pick one of them as a winner. We will sign the shirt and we'll send it off to you. We appreciate you guys. Thank you guys so much. Hit the thumbs up in the uh, YouTube uh, section. That will share our videos to everyone. Also, uh, subscribe to all of our audio platforms as well. We um, are very grateful and thankful. We are growing very fast and it's because of you guys. So we thank you guys. Absolutely. Enjoy our interview with uh, Corey Anderson. Enjoy. The great guy. Have fun, guys.